For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? Well, here we are. It's the last day of July. Can you believe it? It's like the fleeting days of summer are just like trickling down like the sand in the hourglass. In just a few hours, it's going to be August. This is a very special week for me because it was 43 years ago this week that I arrived in New York City. And I am kicking off, I'm ending July and kicking off this week on a glorious note because I have the incredible Charlotte Crossley on the show tonight. She was scheduled to be here last week and it does happen. We got crossed wires as far as the time zone, but we have it right tonight and she is waiting in the wings, waiting to come on. Tonight is Harry Potter's birthday. So I'm thinking tonight is going to be a magical night uh, celebrating so many wonderful things. This afternoon, I had the great pleasure. Uh, I live in Rockland County, New York. Uh, and in my own backyard is a wonderful club called The Turning Point. And if you ever get a chance to come to Rockland County to visit me, maybe, uh, make a point of visiting The Turning Point. This afternoon, I went to see the amazing Squade, and she only proves that things get better and better with age. And I, you know, that that's my motto. That's my uh, mission in life, to get better and better as we go on. But enough about that. Let's celebrate our very special guest tonight. Charlotte Crossley is here, finally. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you. And um, honey, we made it. That's all I can say. You, you know, one made more it. Day, one more day to praise God. One more day to, to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you. And this is great. I needed this Charlo, today. I am so glad that you said one more day to praise God because we need to take the time to do that. And it's important that you say it. And uh, said it. <laughs> and let's, you know, God has praised all of us with your talent. Thank you. And he's also praised us with Ava's talent. Oh. You and Ava, Ava was the catalyst that got you here the first time, but we only got a portion of you that night. So tonight we get to celebrate more of you. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to be here in the home of my beloved and uh, in our little room called The Nest, which, uh, and I, I finally got my, my, um, what do you call them? my theatrical lights make makeup table? I feel like I've actually arrived. Everything sounds great. I do want to tell you, stick close to the microphone because you sound great. And we want to okay. make sure you're doing great that we uh, hear every single word. How's that? As that I begin, oh, that's perfect. Okay. Uh, and you look amazing. So just a little paint, honey. You know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little paint, it's working because you look incredible. Thank you. Uh, I begin every show uh, by asking our guest, who or what are you celebrating tonight? <sighs> well, I have to say, staying healthy, uh, continuing to 
be healthy, pursue health maintenance. You know, uh, when you have uh, joint issues, <laughs> you're trying to avoid surgery, going under the knife, you know, um, you get to a point and you get to an age, you know, when you cross over into a certain <laughs> sphere of time on your timeline, just to maintain health. I'm so grateful, you know, stop drinking, you know, hard alcohol, like it was pop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just I, certain, certain things that you just stop, that you do to maintain health. And particularly if you want to remain, have longevity in this business as a singer, you'll be able to stand up straight, good God almighty, how, however you can get there and just stand up straight. I give everybody credit for just being able to get up on the stage period. And then when they open their mouth and they're fantastic, that's great. But you know, it just takes so much. We take it for granted when we're young. We just pop up and we just do stuff and we've got so much energy. But honey, you start conserving your energy. <laughs> My boyfriend teases me because he says, he says, nobody has to sleep 12 hours every day. I go, I do. Well, you've earned it. I mean, do you really sleep 12 hours a day? Honey, if I could, let me tell you. <laughs> You know, I was raised by Southern women who did not have the luxury of taking to their bed because they worked so hard. But I said, you know, when I get a chance, and I know Barbara Streisand does this, and she takes a whole day off. She doesn't, she stays in bed. She has Chinese food with her husband. She's not, you know, she's not singing. She's just relaxing. And that's what you have to do, whatever that is for you. But if I could sleep 12 hours, four days out of the week, it would be great. So you said you were raised by Southern women. Where are you from originally? I'm from Chicago, Illinois. But you were raised by Southern women in Chicago. Yeah, my mother and uh, my dad was from the South. They both were from Mississippi. And they moved to Chicago during the Great Migration, uh, and um, which could have been at any time in history. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I, I was raised with Southern sensibilities. And of course, we had bourgeois leanings. So don't please don't let me go on <laughs> no, but, but, no i'm know. enjoying every bit of it you can go on and on for all i care i just love every bit of it bourgeois um, leanings didn't want me to go into show business uh, although you know my mother died when i was young when i was 12 and then my, my about that. and yes and you know and that just marks you you don't want it to but it marks you and so you know um wanting to go into show business, just, just, just like Ava, like, you know, but 50 something years ago, you know, and. Well, I want to unravel several layers of that onion for Come on, let's take it. First of all, start with the fact that your mother passes away at 12 years old. Yes. Do you have any brothers and sisters? Everybody's gone except me. I'm the last person standing of the family, but my father, mother, sister, brother, and half brothers. So I have cousins, I have nieces and nephews, and you know I, I I've got to remain. I mean, after please, I, I've I've accepted the fact that I'm here with a purpose, and uh, I'm going to fulfill that purpose. And you know, um, I'm reminded every day. So I celebrate that. I celebrate that. You know, you have a a knowing, a refreshing of what you're here to do, and you're having fun. That, you well, know, so. uh, absolutely. But when your mom passed away, uh, brothers and sisters at home at that time. Yes. Uh, how many were uh, were there all together? Uh, there were uh, my my parents had me and my sister together. My and both both my parents had children with other people. But I was raised with my sister and my older brother, 
who was uh, 16 years old, 16 years older than me, and uh, a Morehouse graduate, uh, a great uh, scientist, and you know, he departed a few years ago. I've just had a you know, had a lot of loss, you know, mm. you just, and so as people do in this life, and it's how you, how do you hold up? How do you keep going? And you keep going. You keep going no matter what's said. You know, uh, there's a um, a prayer that uh, I got a hold of, and it and it and it where you you forget about what people have said about you. It doesn't matter what they said. If they say no, you're going to tell them yes. You're going to keep going, and that's how it's been in my life. It, you know, um, and I'm grateful. I celebrate that. Being a, well, you know, being a thriver, not well, just a survivor. You and I are very much on the same page when it comes to that. But I, I want to ask, when you said that you desired or you wanted to go into show business, um, what was it about show business that attracted you? Everyone has their own vision of what they think show business is or is not. Uh, what was it about the business that attracted you? Well, you know, my problem was, it's like, remember that old song, that native New Yorker song, where you still believed love could really be like a Broadway show? Well, I thought that. And I thought that it was a movie musical. I thought that life, that when I came to Hollywood, it was gonna be a movie musical. But not putting together the fact that, you know, there's work that goes with that. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of people, you know, so I learned how to be a team player. But that's all I wanted. And so when I, in high school and grammar school, and I would be in plays, and I would, oh, they, you know, I was in church. I was always speaking or doing some poem or reciting some psalm, you know, something simple. The Lord is my shepherd, and uh, I loved it. I loved being in front of people, and it wasn't just to show off. It's like it was there was something that drew me to them, and I grew up being able to go to the Motown Review. And honey, I would go and I'd sit through two shows. The first one was for entertainment. The second was school. And I was looking at these people standing before the footlights. And it's like, it was this it, this mystical world. Those lights that come up on you, boom. And they were like, I mean, to look at Mary Wells poured into a white sequin dress and standing there so poised. I found out later that they were all whipped into submission for their their stage poise, all of them. They went through this. The, I think the woman's name was Mrs. Brown. That's uh, right. Sher That's Sherry right. Payne told me. Sherry Payne and Cindy, they all told me, and Mary, they told me about how she was so strict with their poise, and they would look at the pictures, and she'd go, you know, you, you know, you're off the mark here, and you're this and that. I'm like, oh my God, to come, for young black people to come up under that kind of tutelage, to you know, to learn how to carry themselves and be ladies and gentlemen, and they all had it every single one of them and that's um so i saw that i i pulled from that not knowing later on in my life i would know get i would get to meet these people and get to know and get to know some of them and become close with them and so yeah i just wanted it i just said that's what i want to do and that was my secret until i was 15. well you know and for you to be able to study at the school of motown uh trust me there was no other better school than motown. oh yeah uh, well, yeah, but I, so th th there was that, and then it was church, but then there was going to see every Broadway mu mu movie musical, you know, King and I, Brigadoon, South Pacific, you know, all that, all the Rodgers and Hammerstein American songbook. I just, I just drank it in. 
and then I and then I listened to every single record that all of the family members had. I would go, I would get my mother would say, you know, you're going over to your auntie's house. Don't go up in there and get on all get in all her records. And I would come in and I'd go straight to the record cabinet and and pull out stuff that I hadn't listened to before. And my aunt would say, you know, we haven't listened to that in a long time. You know, but just listening to music and just drink, just absorbing whatever I could get. It was always like that. So, I mean, just, and then of course, television. I mean, so all media, all of it, I wanted to be, I just, that's all I kept thinking about it, envisioning myself, envisioning myself and envisioning and it happened. Carol Channing used to say, be careful yeah. what you put your mind upon because you will surely attain it. And you're a perfect example of that. Thank so you. You're she was so she wonderful. Let me just tell you, when I met her, I did a thing for uh, our friend, uh, uh, David, Gallag David Galligan. David Galligan, yes. And, Who and Ava is going to be appearing with on the 7th. I think um, it's next Sunday, isn't it? Uh, Frank is watching, so he'll let us know. I think it's next Sunday that she's doing the next David Galligan yes. extravaganza. Um is in San Francisco or here? Yes, San Francisco. Oh, that's fantastic that he's he's producing that. Well, he had Carol Channing on uh, or LA. a couple it of years LA. LA. I don't know. at the Luckman, and we're backstage. We're back. And she's there, and Rita Moreno, and I'm like, oh my god, and 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 our beautiful Melissa Manchester, who I call Mummy, they're all back there, and I went up to her, and she said, you know, Raspberry, your skin is so soft. That's what she said. <laughs> I can I, I can and hear I was her like, saying that. I was like, Yes, Miss Channing. Thank you, Miss Channing. Oh, Raspberry, your skin is so strong. <laughs> she said, uh, you know, Charlo, your skin is just so soft. She, yeah. know, she called me Raspberry. <laughs> and then, you know, I didn't get that until I saw uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Thoroughly, went, thoroughly oh Modern Millie. Oh, my God. Oh, that's that amazing. That became her moniker. She so as that. you were growing up in Chicago, did you have a lot of opportunities outside the church and school for, uh, to perform? Uh, and there becomes a point in an entertainer's life where they make a conscious decision to go either west or east. And what was your choice? My choice was always east. My choice was always New York. But uh, um, I started doing community theater when I was about 14 uh, at the Young Men's Jewish Center in Chicago on the South Side and embraced by my Hebrew brethren and sisterin and really was encouraged. But I was already singing. I was in the girls' chorus for four years. I was in mixed chorus. I loved singing. I loved all that group stuff. And so I had a real firm foundation for singing. And so my director uh, of the youth center uh, told me I should audition for hair. And when I auditioned for hair, I was just single-minded. I thought, whatever this is, I want it. And went to the open call audition and went through the ranks. And when I tell you the people that I ended up in the show with, Andre DeShields, Joe Montagna, Stan Shaw, Elena Reed, uh, all these incredible people. We all got into that show in that Chicago cast. And the rest, I mean, it, it changed all of our lives. And, and, we, and for, we forged lifelong, you know, their family. So that was what I left high school. Right out of high school, I went, I got into that show. And baby, it was all over but the shout. And I look back on it now and it's like, let's shout and thank God. Because my thing was, I did not want to go to college. I had got accepted to Southern Illinois University. And I thought, I went down and saw the school. And honey, these kids, these, these, these black and these white kids, God bless them. There was so much 
diversity and inclusion, all that. It's like, I want to be in show business. I need glamour. <laughs> I'd like to be a Bond girl. Excuse me, can you make that happen? <laughs> you know what oh I mean? Oh my God, I, I just love you so much. I, I am so glad it happened for all of it us. It did, it uh, did. But yes. you know what, I had to, I mean, when, when you don't have the familial support, which is why I love Ava and her family so much because they loved and believed in this girl. Of course you bring your baby home and you start playing Broadway show tunes immediately. <laughs> yes, yeah. And yeah. Annie, get your gun and she's five years old or something crazy like that. But that's how you nurture the soul of an artist. You nurture the soul of the creative. You know, you're buying somebody paints and they're painting. I, 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 my friends have children who, 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 who paint and do all these things because they are infusing them with the arts. You know, when you come from an arts family and my dad did not want me, he just didn't want me to do it. And he tried to discourage me. But the more he discouraged me, the, the harder I pressed toward that mark. I come justify. On. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the more they pushed, the more I, they pushed in that direction. Oh, my God. I mean, it's like, why are you all? I mean, you know, I had dates with boys that would say, you know, you're always you've always got a book in your purse. I mean, I could be making out with them or reading the book. Or both. Sometimes or both. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But I was always, and when we would go to movies, you know, I'd be making out with them, but looking at the screen and like thinking, and, 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 and you know, all of our ideas about romance and about beauty and all that were formed for me in the, in the movies. It's like, and once again, when you get there, you realize there are all these people that are helping making this thing happen. There's there's all these people that are, you know, they're, they're looking at you from every single angle. So you've got to learn how to be detached from that. It took a long time for me. In fact, I'm not detached today. Can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you help me? Can you help me? Oh my God, I just love it. <laughs> oh, you don't need to be helped any longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. You know, that was one of the fun things about doing the show at Ava, that we had all these film and TV and stage references constantly flying through, you know, it was like the ticker tape that was like going across the screen. <laughs> it was, you know, oh, that's just all so the... amazing. So when you went in and you auditioned for Hair, uh -huh. uh, I mean, there's a wonderful thing about, you know, again, I mentioned earlier that I went to see Suede today and mm -hmm. she sang one of my favorite songs, which is Blame It On My Youth. Uh -huh. And you think about how so many things when we are younger, uh, you, you have your eye on the prize. But when you went into audition for hair, were there nerves involved or were you just, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get this job? Well, I was of the, of the mindset, I'm going to get this job. I didn't know how, but I, I had to just, whatever they asked me to do, I did. And one of the things that the big, the, the, the important thing in that show was that they had great singers. And I went in and I sang, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. I sang Heat Wave. I, I sang Judy Collins, uh, Both Sides Now. And um, and I and something else that I sang, I maybe it might have been another Laura Nero song, but I came in, I sang four songs, boom, boom, boom. I sang them all the way through. And then I started moving around and I was just being 18 year old, wild me, but no, no fear. 
and, like, no, and no censor. I mean, you and no, I mean, you, and, and no filter, really. <laughs> no filter. Uh, and how long did it? I mean, how long of a time span was there between auditioning and finding out that you were going to be going into hair? Well, I, I graduated from high school June 1969. I auditioned in July of 1969. So July, August, September, uh, the end of August, we had our final um, final callback, which was really crazy because my dad told me that night. He said, if you don't get in this show, and I hope you don't, I'm driving you down to Carbondale on Monday. And so my, the thing in my mind was, I'm not going to school. I'm not going to Carbondale. I'm not going to Carbondale. I'm not going to Carbondale. I'm getting in the show. That was right here in my mind. And, and, and so when we got to the Schubert Theater and everybody was lined up, the black girls lined up and the white girls lined up and the black boys and the white boys all lined up, had us all in groups. That sounds um, like a song uh, title from the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, black boys, white boys, exactly. Yes. And, and they, they called us all up. And uh, when we got in the line, they called our names and we each sang, we stepped forward and we sang a little something. So I sang, got stepped forward and sang, um, um, sang, sang a little, whenever I'm with them, ooh. Little did I know that I'd be singing that later on in life, but uh, sang a little bit of that and you step back and they go down the line. And then they had us all go off and stand in the wings. And then another group came. And then they called us all back. And that's when they called our names. But I'm telling you, the whole time it was like, not going to Carbondale, please, Lord. I don't want, I was trying, I was like, what is it gonna be like me being in the car with my dad driving down downstate, him berating me all the way down there and dumping me off at the school. You know, I just thought, so that was my thing. I'm gonna get in the show and get in the show. And when they called my name, it's like, all of the girls that I ended up being in the show where we were all standing next to each other, which was crazy. We were all like, it was like nine of us and we were all standing next to each other and everything else went. So when they, he called our names and he said, if your name wasn't called, the, the, those of you whose name were not called, thank you. And then they, and please exit the stage. And when they exited the stage, that's when they welcomed us. And they said, you now in, in the Chicago cast of hair, welcome to the, the, the Potawatomi tribe. And I, and everything was slow motion for me. And I just said, I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, and my dad was pissed off. I was, was, like, <laughs> was going to ask, what was the reaction to your dad when you went out and said, I got it. Well, I called home and told my sister. And she was so excited. She was with my stepmother and they were really excited. But she says, I said, are you going to tell daddy? She said, I'll tell him. My sister was real bold. She said, she, so she told him when I got home, he did not speak to me. Wow. But I didn't care. And then, you know, <laughs> I didn't care. My friends were all happy and stuff, you know, and and uh, and then he would like 20 questions. He said, well, well, uh, well, when do you start work? And blah, 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 blah. And I just said, I don't know. They'll call me, you know. And then so there was a month went by and then they called me and I got all my specs and we started rehearsals in September. Now, I have a question from one of our uh, viewers, uh, Natasha Lombardi. Uh, hello, Natasha. Hello, uh, Natasha. Uh, she wants to know if Heather McRae was in that company. No, she was in the New York company. Actually, Heather was in the L.A. company, the L.A. company, which is a beautiful, beautiful cast. And then she came to New York and did uh, Sheila on New in, in New York and just one of the best people in the whole world. Her stories 
her showbiz stories growing up were just amazing with talking about her dad. She yes. took care of her dad till the end. And um uh and her beautiful mother, you know, it it, it you know when hair was such a, a phenomenon for all of us because every tribe was different. So the Chicago tribe was different from Detroit, but we all had the thing, we had the storyline in common. So we're all telling the same story the same way, but with all these great voices and stuff. And so she was in the LA company and um, just sensational, just a great singer and a great person. You know, we had such great souls that have, have came through that particular show. Well, there's nothing like that first time. Yes, so true. this being your first time was, what did you learn from that show that you have maintained throughout your entire career? Um, you know, and you can get tell us both the pluses and the minuses. I mean, because sometimes there are things that you learn that you go, I'm not going to go down that path. But what were the pluses that you really took away from that production? Well, one of the things was that this show was a real groundbreaker because it was it was different than the traditional legitimate theater. And it's funny because there were people in the show like me who were like just right out of high school who had just done a lot of theater and had you know great chorus background and everything. And there were other people who were, who were in college. And so I was uh, 18 and uh, like my best friend, when she got in the show, she had she was 17, about to turn 18. So there was like maybe four or five of us that were just 17, 18 years old with kids. And there were other people who were 23, 24, 25, 26, who had been in, had, had done, you know, uh, theater in college, that was university. Uh, Andre DeShields was a senior at the University of uh, Wisconsin. This was his senior thesis to get into this show. Wow. Is that crazy? So there were all these different situations with people. But one thing that I did learn I, I once again became even more entrenched in the team effort. That it, it's not, you're not a star, you're, you're a team player. You're telling the story, you're on this train, this train takes off the track every night, boom, that story's getting told, you know? And I, I learned about more about being a team player. And I really learned how, when you're at the forefront of a change in legitimate theater and what was musical theater, and, and, and rock music and the rock sensibility and the counterculture lifestyle that came with that. It totally, it totally broke up this old guard of theater. So it's interesting to be, to be a young person and, and, and experience, experience that. But I also, I, I learned just about, um, that every time you get up there, you're doing it afresh for a brand new audience. It's nothing, so that keeps it fresh for you. But um, I watched the business change. So I did that show, and then I did Superstar, and then I did Tricks, and then I met, and then then I, I started working with Miss M, which was totally uh, different than being in a Broadway show. I look back on when people say, "Well, what were you doing in, doing in 1973?" I said, "73, 74, 75." I was touring with Miss M. And, you know, it was different being out on the road then. And so it was so crazy because when I was in Superstar, I had a couple of friends who were out on the road and they came back and they were all like so glamorous. They all, they were so prosperous. And I was so, I was a Broadway baby, churning it out eight shows a week, living in New York. I felt like, I felt beat down. 
And these girls were, they were just fabulous. They had these wigs and they were, and I said, well, whatever you, what, what kind of money are you making? And they were telling me, oh girl, we only do five shows a week and blah, blah, blah. And we travel first class. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. Good for so, you. You know, so that's how, so, so, and I, when I started thinking, I said, I want to work smart. I don't want to work hard. Cause you know, the eight shows, it kicks your ass. Yes, it does. It, I, and Elaine Stritch said, that the only people who benefit from eight shows a week are the producers. Yes. Hands down. And as long as they cut me a check, I'm okay with it too. But, <laughs> Good for you. Because you know, you feel like that. You feel like you are earning. I mean, if you're working, making 500 or 5,000 a week, whatever, you feel you are earning every single penny of that you money. You certainly are. And, and, I, and you know, I, I'm not ungrateful about it, but I mean, you, you're like, on Sunday night, <laughs> when you go home or when you go to go to a restaurant to have a drink or have some food, you go, I just need to take to my bed. And that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. But the, but the point being, you do, you're working very hard. And when you're on the road, I was on the road three years with Hairspray after having not been in the theater for 30 years. Wow. So, so that was crazy. And, and, well, and I want to go back. I want to go back for a moment. Um, yeah. When you, by the time that uh, the Divine Miss M came along, did you have an agent, a manager, a, a team? No. no, I met her. She was going with a friend of mine, my friend Michael Federal, who was her bass player, and that's how I met her. And then I started going hanging out with her at the Baths, which was a whole nother. It was like, what world is this? Well, here you are, darling, and so. Welcome uh, to New York. I, I, that's right. And I was doing I was doing Superstar on Broadway. And I would go see her on uh, after the show on Saturday nights and just be amazed that this woman just would just, she would totally transform herself in this room full of men in towels. Very steamy, steamy environment. And just be totally transformed and go, what is this thing, this phenomenon of who she, the Miss M phenomenon. And then seeing her do that and then, being friends with her and then we would take hallucinogens and go to the Metropolitan Museum, which is another story. But but I, I am I am always fascinated by this woman who had a, a role on Broadway in Fiddler on the Roof, uh, and then to go 365 degrees in a completely different direction with her career because she could have gone down the, that path of having that legitimate theater career. But mm -hmm. by taking control of her own path, she created her own persona and her own career. But she and, also had great help. But she, she had great help and she was uh, she had people in her life who were really invested in helping her develop. And one of those people was Bill Hennessy. And he was uh he was a real visionary and he was a kind soul. And and the the heart of who Miss M it was was a kind and sweet and gentle uh being who loved her who who gave out love, gave out lo tender and fragile love to an audience. Of, of of broken people. And when you see that night after night, that was a whole nother learning curve of, because her thing was so much more extemporaneous, even though it, it had a form to it, but there was an extemporaneous thing about her performance that was all, was unpredictable, you know, and was, and was not, uh, 
it was not something that you could easily harness. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because after her doing that for all those years, she went back to Broadway, which I was always said, I said, the girl needs to go back to Broadway in a, in a, in a Broadway show, be reminded of one's roots, if you will, and go back to that. You're standing there in a brand new audience, you're telling a story. It's not about you. It's about the story, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it, it's very humbling. How did the Harlots come about? I mean, were the Harlots always a part of her act or did that come a little bit later? Well, um, I'm going to tell you from my point of view. Okay. Uh, that, well, that's the point of view that we're interested in. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> she, uh, um, my roommate at the time was Andre DeShields. And uh, I was out, I was, I was doing I was doing a show called Tricks, The Foibles of Scapin, with Renee Aubergenois, and we were on uh, we were in uh, Detroit, uh, doing our out of town thing. And I and he called and I called home and he said, you know, I'm working with Miss M. She's going to have background singers. And I said, oh really? That's great because she was getting ready to do Lincoln Center and then Carnegie Hall. And um, so I heard that she was having these girls. And so when I came back. Um, this was no. This was this was before I got into tricks. This was right before I went to see. She was in Chicago. I, I was home for a week, and I went. She said, "Oh, please come see me where Mr. Kelly's." And I went to see them. Three girls: Melissa Manchester, Gail Cantor, and the late great Merle Miller. Beautiful normal Kamali dresses. They were all brunettes. They all had these red flowers. They, had, they were they were they were great uh, uh, studio singers, but they were not. They didn't have any of that yet. But Andre DeShields whipped them into shape and gave them some nice choreography and stuff. And after the show, Bet said to me, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, those girls are nice. They're pretty and they sing beautifully and they're nice. She said, but they don't have that thing. She said, she said they're so dead. And I said, well, you know, you gotta, you know, they got some, they got some good stuff to work with, you know? And um, so it was after that she did, uh, she did Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center. And that's after that, and that's she did that first album. She came to see me at the Alvin Theater on a matinee day. It was right before our, our we opened and sadly closed. Um, she came and asked me if I'd be a harlot, and I said, "Sure." Will you, will you replace Melissa? And I said, "Sure." Not thinking, not knowing, not having any foresight. That we 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 opened two days later and got our notice. And we said bye-bye. And then Monday I was rehearsing with Melissa. And what was the shift like for you in terms of you as a entertainer, as far as, I mean, you'd had all this theater training and now you're going in a completely different direction as far as your career is concerned. Um, and obviously Bette Midler had this theatricality with her shows, uh, but you are much more out there uh, than you were previously. Am I correct? Well, I had to be, I had to become more out there, but it's interesting. Remember, I had seen my, my, my friends who were touring with other people and said, I want to do what they're doing. And so suddenly here I was doing what they were doing. And that particular tour, we were uh, doing colleges. So we played everywhere. We played every place, every place up and down the East coast. We played Boston and, 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 uh, uh, Pennsylvania and Rhode Island and Delaware. We just we just all did all the colleges and it was really, really fun. 
it was so fun. I, I meet people all the time and go, didn't you come to Syracuse? You know, and so I did, did a lot of that. But um, it was, you know, being a background singer, a studio singer, I had become, a, I started doing studio work. So, you know, I just made the transition. I just made the transition of singing with two other girls. You know, it's it's about keeping those harmonies. It's about doing all those things. But uh, it was different than being on the road when you're doing a Broadway show. It was a little more rough and tumble. You know, you you know you, you you really don't get to unpack ever. <laughs> you know, you come in. You know, you sometimes we would get off the bus or get out. You know, come from the airport, go straight to the gig, and do the gig, and then go to the hotel. Or, or, or do the sound check and then go to the hotel and then come back, you know, and then do the show and then come back and pack your bag and get up and go out the next day. I mean, it was a lot of that. We did a lot of one-nighters. Did, did you enjoy that uh, lifestyle? Did you enjoy doing the one-nighters? Sometimes. But you know what? When I learned how to take care of myself, I could get through it. You know, didn't have to drink Jack Daniels every night, darling. And, um, but to take care of yourself. And that was mm -hmm. something that we all learned. You know, we were all in it together, you know, and particularly her, because, you know, when you're traveling and, and as the years of traveling with her, you know, went on, it, it got better. It got more cushy. It got cushier. We didn't have so many days uh, of, of, you know, we could go and we could sit down in a city for two or three nights, which was great because you get in a day before and then you're there and then you, you know, you have a little bit you relaxed. You can take better care of yourself. You know, and that's 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 the the um, that's the number one thing. But things were so different back then. You know, it's like if if you had to pay your rent, you had to like figure out you like go to the post office and get you get a post office money order and send it to your you know express it to the the landlord and all. I mean, just everything. I mean, but we didn't have you know. I mean. We all had answering machines, I and mean, it was like yes. we thought, you know, that was our lifeblood: answering machines and 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 daily planners or, and or answering or, services and answering services. I yes. worked for the Green Room Answering Service in New oh, York. It was one of my first survival jobs. You know what? I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to get one of those survival jobs when I was when I got out here to California, but I, I don't know. It was a it was a clothes shop, anyway. Um, yeah, just just living life, just tr just trying to just take care of your life, you know. And of course, by the time I got in, when 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 I was on the road with hairspray, you can do every you can doing everything on your computer. I mean, everything changed. I mean, how you got information, how everything you know, everything was very um, electronic, e digitally, you know, uh, digital transmission of everything, which made life very simple, you know. But you could you know, do your banking out of state, but I also everything. Well, there are two questions yeah. that I want to ask you based on everything that you've just said. And uh -huh. the first question is when did the shift happen from you pursuing the work to the point where they're pursuing you for the, because you've worked with so many phenomenal entertainers over the years. When did that shift take place where they start calling you saying, we want you to work on this project. It still hasn't happened. Charlotte. I don't want to happen. No, I can't believe that. You know, it's... Well, I, I, I think, well, you know, it, 
at the end of the day, it's about the relationships that you forge with people over the years. And you look back over, I mean, when I worked with Bette Midler, I, when I started working with her, I met so many people. And there was a, there was like a, there was, there was a circle of us that, that was that already formed in New York. And as people started moving to California and doing better. So you got songwriter friends who, who get deals and move out here and then you're here and they're like, oh, come please sing for me. And so you're in the studio every day with them. So those relationships, those creative relationships were a real blessing to me. Same thing with Mark Shaman. You know, he was 16 years old when he played played for, for, for me, Sharon and Ula and Harlets. He was 16 and, we, and, his, and, and he had, had become an emancipated minor. I can't wait till you interview him. As you become an emancipated- I'm ready. I, Mark, if you see this, I want you on this show. Charlotte, oh, no. make it happen. I will. But I, you know, I mean, you know, when we were rehearsing, when me, Sharon, and Ula were rehearsing in New York, uh, everybody lived in a building on 79th Street. And so there was so much going on in the building. We would just go from one apartment to the next, to the next, whatever the next level of what we were going to be doing. But we all stayed, we all worked together. And when somebody made it, they hired other people. And I love that. When somebody was, you know, got a bump up, then they could hire. And, and I mean, when I auditioned for Sister Act, it was because of Mark. I had an agent by that time, but it's because of Mark. He said, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, create your, we're going to put together the, what you're going to sing. And we put together like four songs and I went and sang for the suits. I entertained them. It was like a little private salon, you know? So you got these situations that happen that are so amazing, but because of the friends and the associations that you have, that, that, that I was able to, to develop over the years. I mean, we all just kind of grew up together, you know, it was crazy, but I love that. I, I think that's what show business is about. It really is who, you know, Absolutely. You, I totally agree. And, yeah. uh, and I'm going to talk about autonomy in a few moments because the word that I chose for today for a reason, uh, you, um, mentioned earlier uh, how the business has changed so much as far as the digital aspect of it. Um, when you've had an incredible career such as you have had uh, and are still having, by the way, uh, when that's happening, many changes happen in the industry. And I mean, like I said, this week marks 43 years for me coming to New York and I can look at the many changes that have taken place Looking back, what are the things that you really have embraced that have changed in the industry? And what are the things that you really miss about that were there in place when you first got into the business? I really miss um, in-person auditions. I don't like uh, the, the self-taping. I, I don't like it because it's very sterile. Yes. And, and maybe some people like the sterility, uh, like the, um, they, it, maybe it works for some people. It doesn't work for me. Um, you want to be able to come into the room and feel the, the organic energy in the room when you're standing before someone and you're really making a presentation. In particular, you worked on your character and just worked on those little subtleties that they teach you in acting school, of which I'm going to be going. But <laughs> uh, you, you, you want that to be received. Because I think that really helps you get the job. I don't think, I mean, I haven't, I haven't received any work from the digital stuff that I've had to do. You know, I have interviewed so many people and that is the one 
thing that I hear over and over and over again. And nothing, I mean, nothing will replace that. I know what it's like for me. It's been a couple of years since I've auditioned for anything. But to walk into an audition room and they know you and to walk in and to be able to have that Hello, how are you? It's good to see you again. And even if they don't know you, to be right. able to look at your resume and ask yes. you questions. That's right. That's about right. what and you've done. Yes. And, you know, here in Hollywood, they are intimidated by your long list of credits. I'm telling you. And, I mean, and you, you're sitting there with a person who's like maybe 23. They have no idea. And so, and I come in with my smart, snarky ass and I say stuff like, oh, darling, just Google me. You know, and, and 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 they're sitting there and they got all their devices and they Google and then they go, oh, someone goes, oh, she was in blah, blah. I said, you know, you're trying to make a connection with these people who don't know what you know. They they don't know why you know what you know or who you, why you are who you are. So you have a moment to 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 present that. And I had Tanya Pinkins on the show last week and she uh -huh. said that she got a call for an audition and they said, bring in a picture of what you think your character will look like. And she said she came in with her headshot and she said, this is what my character will look like because they think they're being, you know, something new in this business. And you're absolutely right. They're 23 years old. They don't have the life experience that you have. No, they don't. Uh, and nor do they, rec I mean, most of the credits that are on your resume, they would even be able to have a frame of reference about. Absolutely. They they really don't. And so, which is why I thank I thank God for someone like you who has has memory about who who know who knows about the, the work that I've done and the life that I've lived, that you you're interested in who I am as a person who what this person who's done all these things, you know, and that you're so much more than the last thing that you did. Absolutely. But that's not how this, that's not how this, to me, all these kids need to, they, they need to uh, have a, a crash course in old Hollywood. That's the thing that, I, that really bothers me is that when we watch the award shows, they're not, they're not playing the old movies. They're not playing the silent pictures. They're not playing clips from It Happened One Night. They're not doing that. And they need to do that because that's what this town is about. That, to me. That's what the, this. That's what that town is about. And also, and well, whether it be New York, New York. or whether it be LA, that's right. when someone is given a Lifetime Achievement Award, they deserve to be celebrated during the broadcast. That's right. They, that's, right. that's why they have the broadcast. And yeah. I don't think that the powers that be whoever they may be, uh, trust the audience. And the audience wants to see these old clips. They want to see them. They want to see that. And, you know, it's funny. When uh, um, my son was in, when my son was in autonomy. I brought, I'm bringing it up for a reason. Keep talking. Uh, when my son was in uh, elementary school, I took him to see The Wizard of Oz at Groundlands Chinese Theater. And we had a ball because we had watched it so many times. But the thing that was crazy and so much fun is that people were 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 speaking the lines with the character. Yes, that they, they they were you know it was it was a it was with all the inflections and then laughing hysterically after that stuff means something, you know. And and uh, my son said, "Mommy, 
why is everybody talking along with the picture? I said, because we all love the picture and we we watch it a million times like you and I have, you know? And so it, it, it becomes a part of you, you know? It's like, you know, you want to you want to be walking on that yellow brick road. You want you want to have that experience, you know, and you want to be able to talk about it with people who understand what that's about. Now, I chose this word autonomy because yes. you and I both know that in this business, uh, it's all about collaboration. Right. But also, you have to be your own person. You have to right. know who you are. And I want to ask you what this word means when it comes to your. Uh, personal life in terms of you being who you are and what it means in terms of having the career that you have. Wow. Well, I feel like I'm in the, I'm still in the middle of experiencing that. I feel like it's still happening. It's still formulating. It's still gestating. It's about to be that egg is about, first of all, I laid an egg. It's about to hatch. <laughs> Now's the time, Charlo. It's yeah, the exactly. Time. I, I, right. And I'm feeling now that I, I, I'm putting some things together. Another presentation. I want to have a lot of fun and do that thing where you're giving to the audience that you're you're, you're bringing them along on your on a journey of love and fun and and happiness and not sadness and moroseness. You know, and having the freedom. Autonomy to me means it means having the liberty, being liberated. That means freedom, but really having the liberty and the freedom and the just just to do what it is that you want to do that you know is going to be a benefit. It's not going to tear people down. You know, they you're not going to come out and set yourself on fire, although you might feel like it. <laughs> God bless you. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask. Is that a good answer? That's a, it's a perfect answer. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to ask a surprise question. I haven't even looked at this question. And okay. the question is, um, would you rather explore? Uh, these are interesting questions. Would you rather explore space or the ocean? That's a good question because I just watched this movie the other night with Brad Pitt, um, uh, called Ad Astra or something like that, uh, where he was in space and Tommy Lee Jones was his father and they were going into like, you know, to explore Uranus. And I was looking at all this stuff and I'm going, you know, it's just a little overwhelming space, but the ocean, the ocean has depths, but there's sand at the bottom of the ocean. So there's a, I don't know, I'd say the ocean. Okay. I said the ocean because you could come up to the surface. You know, you could go down deep you, and then you could come up to the surface. Hopefully there's land ahead, but um, I'd say the ocean. Uh, and have you, I mean, do you journal? I mean, do you keep, uh, do you write your thoughts down and have you thought of an autobiography? I have an autobiography. Does that mean is that, that you're writing it with someone? Uh, well, it goes back to that word autonomy. Autonomy. You're writing, yes, you're writing it on your own. <laughs> writing on your own. Um, <clears throat> or you could have I, a birth writer. I, I've asked uh, one of my friends from high school who's a great journalist and a great, um, he's a great journalist and a great thinker. And uh, I've asked him, his name is Stan West. I've asked him if he would, if he would collaborate with me because he gets 
who I am as a black woman, as a, a he, he, because we grew up in the same neighborhood and went to the same high school and stuff. But but he understands the times uh, that we grew up in, juxtaposed to this time that mm -hmm. we're living right now. And who who am I? Who am I? Who who I've become? Who am I becoming? Those are the. It's like it's not where it's not where you are. It's who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. Who you continue to evolve into this idea of, of, you know, it's funny. I, I want to say this, but, you know, um, I was never uh, a part of Black Hollywood or Black Broadway, even though uh, Ebony Magazine had a, a great article in like uh, 2006 about all the Black shows, all the shows on Broadway that had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, had had a real good storyline about Black characters and had you know and, and and you know had black actors and so on and so forth i was very proud to be a part of it but i've never been a part of i was never accepted by my own people collectively and i'm what cool do you with think this. that is i don't I, probably because of the way i grew up and and, and my um entree into the into the business was uh, <clears throat> through my Jewish friends who who I fit right in with, you know, and, and I never thought I was never competitive and people put me down for that because people, some people are obsessed about, by, <clears throat> you know, when, when that was the thing that really blew my mind when I first got in business, people were crazy. I'm thinking, excuse me, this is a Broadway show. This is not rocket science, you know, but to some people, they wanted the, the ruthlessness of some people. I don't see that in the theater. I don't see that like I saw it before. Maybe it exists on another level, but but I would when I would see people be so ruthless to get parts and be so hateful, I think there's more of a camaraderie now. There's more of a community of love and 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 nurturing and we're all in this together, you know. You know, but back then in the 70s and the late 60s, I was like, what is wrong with these people? I thought I'm not even gonna. I'm. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna focus on. That's not my situation. That's not me. I'm not. I wasn't raised to be that way. You know. It was. A, you know. So I was very fortunate to come up in a, with a, with a very diverse group of young people to um, and how we approached the business of entertaining and and the business of being artists. Mm -hmm. You know. And there's a difference. I the people who are real artists, and then you had people who were just show folk. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So, and, uh, I, you know, I can't believe that this hour has flown by the it way it has. I want oh, you back. Okay. Will you come back? I yeah. will. We should do a, a week. Uh, once a week, we should do uh, Sundays with Charlo or something. <laughs> that, that could happen. I do want to say that I'm about to do Project Angel Foods 33rd um, anniversary uh, produced by uh, Clifford Bell. I That's love Clifford. Up August 21st. I'm very excited about that. And I'm going to be in rehearsals for, uh, rehearsing for my next show, which will be called Charlo Live. My beloved boyfriend and I are producing it together. Good. And uh, I'll give you uh, I'll, I'll give you a heads up on everything. It's going to be really exciting. Well, when, when you're ready to launch it and everything, you've always got a platform here. Oh, thank you um, so I'm going to do a giveaway, and I'm going to bring this back up here, and we'll see who okay. our winner is tonight. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Don't go anywhere for a moment. Lap finished. Uh, so we'll see who this is. 
uh, and uh, Natasha Lombardi once again. Uh, Natasha, um, just reach out to me later and we'll make sure that uh, you get a special cabaret package. Um, I want to thank you, Charlo. You are such a bright light. Uh, have you thought about doing a master class? You know, <laughs> I, I've done I've done a few for young people. I love doing I love working with the young people. I I love giving them assignments. I love telling them go online and watch everything Peggy Lee ever sang, particularly the white girls. To give them like like the Ice Princess, cool singer. These girls don't know nothing. They they got to get out. They, you know, I, I love doing old master because I love getting in people's Kool Aid about stuff. You know, but, but but nurturing them and saying to them, you know, it's like, why do you want to be that? Well, who are you? And this is what people say to me. And I didn't know. It's taken me 50 something years to figure it out. But yeah, I'd love, I'd love doing a master class with the kids. I'm not, you know. Because I think people. you have a lot to offer. And uh, I think that the next generation can learn a lot from you. Oh. So I am so thrilled that you were Thank here you. tonight. I Maybe we can say, put one together, put a master class together. You and I can, together, um, I know that you did this. Uh, I, well, I'm a, we may go over a few minutes, but I do want to mention something because sure. uh, Rosa Puzo just brought this up. Uh, and Rosa. I want to mention this. Um, David Zimmerman. Because yeah. I did his, me I did this, and yes. you did it too. Tell everybody what your experience was of doing Meet the Biz, because I want to tell you, I felt like I could fly around the world after doing that class. Oh, it was so fantastic to work with young people who have um, developmental issues, but their little hearts were so uh, just full of uh, the the need to express artistically and that they had a platform and that they get it, that they get it. And I was just so, I was so inspired by them and uh, they asked great questions, you know, and uh, I just thank God that they have a platform that they can be seen, heard and uh, nurtured to go forward. They all were just lovely people. I just, I was so excited about that. It was just such a great thing. And a great um, blessing. It was like, it was, a, it was a great blessing. That's the yeah. right word to use. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. I know that thank I can you. speak for Charlo when I say this. We don't take it lightly when you show up. So thank you all on this Sunday night, on the last Sunday night of July. You know, Swade said something this afternoon that I want to talk about for a few moments. And then, Charlo, I'm going to turn it all over to you. Okay. But uh, Swade said something this afternoon. She said, we go through life doing one of two things. We're thinking when we get that job out there, when we get that partner, when we get that raise, when we get all of that stuff that's over there, we think our lives are going to be better. Or we're thinking when we get past these things, that we're going through, when we get over that hump, when we get over this little bump in the road, when we get over this fill in the blank, life will be better. Well, I've got news for everybody. This is it. This is it. This is all we have. And this is all that we need to make the most of. We need to take each moment and we need to cherish it. Carpe diem is one of my favorite expressions. And I live by that rule. Um, every single day, we are all given the same gift, uh, hopefully. And that gift is 24 hours. 
there's a lot going on in the world right now. And it's not just the bad news that you're hearing on the news about the politics in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. Think about what's going on in Kentucky right now with these families. And last week I spoke with an actor, well-known actor who's gonna be coming on the show hopefully in a few weeks. And last year his house burnt to the ground. Mm -hmm. And he said he ran out with nothing more than a Hawaiian shirt, cargo pants and a hoodie. Everything that he had worked for his entire life was gone like that. And I had a conversation this afternoon uh, with someone who had guests in his home recently and someone stole something that mattered to him. In the scheme of things, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> it didn't seem like <clears throat> it was, I need to take a sip of water here, excuse me. <clears throat> in the scheme of things, <clears throat> what, it, what they took didn't seem like it was that important, <clears throat> but it mattered to him. Excuse me, folks. Um, so my point is that it's important that we take time for, as I am at this point in my life, uh, I am interested in the friends in my life and life experiences. These life experiences are fleeting moments that will never come again. You can all go and watch this show again and again and again but there was nothing like the live experience of experiencing it together. So I appreciate the fact that you're all here. After the show tonight, please go to my YouTube channel and leave a comment about what your thoughts are about the show. Share this with your friends. And I also wanna let you all know, my dear friend, Glenn Charlo is here and he helps me with this. He does the design work. Uh, that beautiful placard with Charlo, that is Glenn Charlo's work. Thank My you. newsletter comes out at midnight tonight. And if you're all interested in getting the newsletter, go to richardskipper.com and sign up for the Skipper's Guide. It comes out every Sunday night at midnight, and it will tell you what's coming up in the week ahead. I do not spam. I do not share the email with other people. Once a week, it comes out. So please sign up if you're interested. Um, also, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything returned. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the eighth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Because as my dear friend, Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're gonna go out the boat, <laughs> make sure you bring a skipper along. So Charlo, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to share with everyone. Um, I do want to uh, say here before we leave uh, that Jane Box says the hour flew by with Charlo. So definitely have her back soon. We will. Uh, she would be great doing masterclass. Want to hear more about her relationship through the years as friends with a mutual friend of mine as well. And that's Melissa Manchester. Uh, maybe we'll get the two of you on together. 
let's do it, Melissa. So uh, Jane, put that seed out there. So I'm going to leave the screen. It's all yours, Charlotte. And when you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. And I can't wait to have you back. I, I love can't. you. Thank you. you. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for being with us today. And most importantly, I want you guys to love freely, forgive freely, and be thankful freely. We've been given great gifts. Some of our relationships may be in a state of flux. Reach out, whatever those relationships are, and be thankful, show love. I think at the end of the day, that's what matters. And make good art, please. Love you. I can't wait to see you again. Have a great day. Mwah.